0: Welcome to another edition of the Real Animals Podcast. Real Animals Podcast is presented by Contender Boats. Super excited today to uh, get some time, very fortunate to get some time with uh, my good friend and the head coach for the Columbus Blue Jackets and former head coach of our Tampa Bay Lightning here, John Tortorella joins me today. John, how are you, buddy?
1: Good, Mike. How are you?
0: I am good. I appreciate you uh, <clears throat> giving us a little time. You know, I was I was doing some homework on you uh, for the podcast here, and uh, I, I think we almost have to start this podcast with talking about you. You are currently the winningest American-born hockey coach in the National Hockey League. How, do, how does? how does that feel? Can you, I mean, is that something you aspire to do or what does that mean to you?
1: You know what that means to me is that I've been coaching a long time.
0: <laughs>
1: and, uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. And I've been fortunate to to have some really good players. Uh, I've been, you know what, Mike, you know, you talk about uh, opportunity. I've been given some great opportunity, uh, in, in my years of coaching, um, where I I think there's probably some better coaches out there that just the timing, the, the opportunity, the person to talk to at that time in your life just didn't work. And some guys, you know, just haven't had that opportunity. I've been blessed that to have that come my way. And uh, uh, I I don't, you know, I I don't aspire for that. I just like to work each and every day. Uh, I enjoy uh, just being with the players not only involved in, in the game of hockey, but also teaching them to be good young men. Uh, so I've been very fortunate and I'm, I'm humbled to have the, the amount of time that I've been able to coach in this league uh, it, it, to be able to do
0: that. You've, uh, you've done it at such a high level. Where does where did where did all that start, Coach? When did you? I know you played at the University of Maine. When, when, when did when did John decide? You know what? I really like this coaching thing, and, and I think I'm gonna I'm gonna try to pursue it. When when did that come about for you?
1: You, you know, and, and this gentleman just passed away five days ago, Henry Brabham, uh, at ninety one, uh, just passed, uh, lived a great life but he was my owner in Roanoke, Virginia. Uh, I was playing in the Atlantic Coast Hockey League. People probably don't even know the name of the league. It was the closest thing to slap shot that you could come to. Um, very, low, Yeah, very low minors, uh, uh, low minor leagues. Uh, uh, I, I played on that team for a number of years and in that league for, I think, eight or nine years. And at one day, I had blown my knee out uh, I had struggled uh, to get back into playing again, and that's when he asked me to coach that team that that I was playing with for like four or five years prior. So he gave me my first opportunity to uh, to test the waters in coaching. I never, never, I never thought I was going to stop playing in that mess of a league. I, I was having so much fun playing. Uh, I never even thought about my next step in life, and he gave me that opportunity. I kind of jumped into it, uh, wore about 10 different hats uh, in a league that you never knew if you woke up in the morning, if it was still going to be there uh, (laughs) because of financial struggles and just the way minor leagues are back in the day. And that's when I really started saying, you know what, this is pretty cool. Uh, This is the closest thing that you can do if you're not playing and, and being in the heat of the battle. Um, And I, I am so fortunate to have him as my friend and, Again, he just passed, Mike. I just talked to him seven days ago, and passed wow. five days ago. Wow. Yeah, yeah, but he lived his life, you know. He lived his life. He was a he was a miserable son of a bitch. I tell you, him and I used to go at it all the time. Uh, he had more enemies than friends. But I bet you, if they had the funeral, which they couldn't because of the way our world is right now, if they had a funeral for him, every one of his enemies, competitors, or, or guys that disagree with him would have been at that funeral because he he just was respected so much. And I owe a lot to him. And uh, that's kind of how it happened. It's kind of a long-winded answer, but it happened so long ago in a league in Roanoke, Virginia. And that's when I first started getting my taste part. And then I I received so many different opportunities after that.
0: I think it's so interesting that you, you know, when I brought up your, your, coaching prowess in the National Hockey League that that you would talk about opportunity and and getting that opportunity because I often think to myself how many really talented players there are in a lot of different sports you know it's interesting to me that you can watch a guy (coughs) in college and and you know let's say play in the quarterback position and he he does all these amazing things he's got a big arm he's tall he can read defenses he's got great feet and then he gets to the NFL and all of a sudden he's a bum yeah and i and i often wonder and i often wonder if it isn't the luck of ending up in the right position in the right place with the right coaching with the right mentors with everything you know does does aaron rodgers become aaron rodgers if he's selected number one overall and goes to San Francisco – Instead of ending up in Green Bay where he sits behind Brett Favre for three or four years, gets to become stronger and learn the game and spend all that time in the in the quarterback room and all that. I mean, you know what I'm saying. I mean, a guy like yeah. Blaine Gab a, a guy like Blaine Gabbert. If you watch Blaine Gabbert, I've seen Blaine Gabbert have these great games where he's he's throwing these incredible passes and he's you know, but he's never played on a good team. He's never had great. You know what I mean? It's just to me, yeah. it just you struck a nerve with opportunity because I think to me, that sounds like everything. Like Wade Boggs, what did he spent seven or eight years or something in the minors, and then he's a Hall of yeah. Famer because he couldn't get well, the that, opportunity to get on the field.
1: Yeah, you know what? And what you're talking about, and I know it's a it's a, it's used a lot, and I know coaches. It's it's a it's the process, and I think everybody, Mike. Uh, when get to professional sport, uh, they want to get to the epitome, the top of it, right? The, like it, whether it be the National Hockey League, the NFL, Major League Baseball, whatever it may be, everybody wants to get there as quickly as possible. They want the big paycheck. And you know what? I, I really do think, uh, and, and I, and I, and I word it this way. I think you got to wait your turn. I, I, I think it is patience. And learning the position that you're playing, no matter what sport it is, watching other people around you, what it is to be a pro, uh, how you handle yourself off the ice or off the field, what you do on the ice as far as preparation prior to game, all that stuff has to be learned. I don't care if you're a, a number one pick or you're the 240th pick. You still have to learn that. And everybody's in a rush to get there. And if you miss some steps, I think that's what hurts your foundation, and you may go up and down in your career. And right. uh, you, you start, you, you know, you talk about Aaron Rodgers. I, I, he he played behind, and listen, I don't agree with a lot of things, you know, how Brett Favre handled himself in certain situations <laughs> and, and right. all that. But he he can play, and yeah. he is one of the ultimate competitors that I've ever seen to pro- play professional sports. For a young guy to come in and watch him. And what he had, even with all his injuries and what he had to do to get on the field, that, that is, uh, that's priceless. You, you, you need to see that. And, uh, I, I, I this is a subject I could talk about all day long because I do believe in the process and I think you need to wait your damn turn. And in yeah. the bottom line is waiting your turn. You're going to be a better person and you're going to be a better player.
0: This kind of leads me, I'm, I'm kind of leapfrogging my notes here a little bit, but it, 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 leads me to, because we're on the subject, I want to talk about, you know, for those people who don't know, um, 2003, 2004 Stanley cup champion, you're the coach. Mm-hmm. Tell me what, and, and again, this just came into my, jumped into my head because I was thinking about this, you know, last night. Tell me what Dave Andrechuk meant to that team. Because wouldn't it be the same thing you're talking about right there? Is helping some of your, your really young, talented guys, or just your talented guys? Some of them weren't that young. But some of those, you had so much talent on that team, and then it seemed like Dave Anderchuk came in. And just getting to know Dave a little bit that I have, I pictured Dave kind of being that guy, kind of getting, yeah. fine-tuning the rest of the things you guys needed to help you get over the hump.
1: D- Dave Anderchuk, he came to us and... Towards the end of his career, uh, and remember his career was, I, I'm not sure if he still leads the NHL in power play goals. I'm not sure if he's been surpassed, but he was an offensive guy. Didn't check a lick. Couldn't check his hat. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, he, he, he thought offense and, uh, and then he came to us. I ended up using him as kind of a checking center, uh, a, a guy that I moved around in the lineup. He certainly played on the power play in front of the net. Did all the little things that, when in his heyday of his career, he didn't even think about. He just wanted to score goals. He, he wanted to play on the offensive side of the puck and, and and go go play in that end. But he did all the little things, and, and 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 which we had such a young team there, and quite honestly, a young team and young coaching staff, and we really didn't know what we were doing. We were just playing, <laughs> and he was certainly a conduit from what the coaching staff wanted out of the players to 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 and andy we used andy to get that message to the players and the players use andy as a mess use a messenger to get into us also when maybe we were a little bit too overbearing and we need to back off david was a very important guy as far as being that conduit and uh you know I, i i put him there and also the acquisition of tim taylor those two guys there were huge pieces to the puzzle for us in, in winning a Stanley cup. And, you know, the funny thing is, Mike, I thought, I thought we were a pretty clean living team back in the day when we won that Stanley cup and we went, we were going through a process as a, as a team, as I've gone to a few of the reunions and now we have a different relationship, which is really cool. And and it's not coach player anymore. It's, It's a, it's a group of champions of that team. I listened to the story. And led by Andy, you know, when they were getting in at night and uh, all, the, all the shenanigans that were going on, and I didn't even know this was going on. And so, yeah, that, that has been an eye-opener to me. But I will say this. I think that's a really important oh, part no. of winning in professional sports. We have people now that are yes, sir, no, sir. They have their entourage. They have their strength coaches. They, they know how to eat, they, this, that, the other thing. I think you need to be able to go out as a team, be in a bar, be in a, in a bar. Maybe some stuff happens, n- nothing dangerous, but stuff happens. And you need that type of atmosphere of missing curfew and causing a little trouble. I think that's huge for camaraderie within a hockey club. Now I'll speak on my sport. And I thought Andy handled that really well. I didn't know what was going on at that point in time, but uh, as I listen to the story and listen to them now talk, it was really important for that team as far as making us a close knit group.
0: Yeah, I think chemistry is one of those things that is is so underrated because you you, oh, yeah. you, you you everybody you if you watch ESPN and you know everybody's looking at the rosters, you know, and all the talent on the rosters and all that talent I think is great, but if that talent doesn't come together, I mean really come together, I think the teams that win championships, if you dig them all up, you find out seriously how quickly they, they came together as a team. Um, I just think that's that's one of those things that you can't put enough. You know, they don't put enough on that. You know, certain individuals, maybe players that aren't marquee names but if you get in behind the scenes with the coaching staff and the players you know certain guys maybe that's it maybe they're you know they're the guy that decided to you know sn- stay out past curfew with a few of the guys that were having a rough time you know to get their head right or whatever it is it just some of those like you said conduit guys that can really keep things together i think those are those are pieces of the puzzle that you just can't even measure
1: there's no there's no question michael in where you know everybody talks about x's and o's and the game plan and and this that the other thing i'll speak on my sport again it, I, I think x's and o's is so overrated now with today's athlete i think the camaraderie the tightness the mindset of playing as a team far outrides x's and o's it's it's a belief in one another that that is the most important thing in our game and and you need some shit to happen. You, you need, you need people stepping out of line and then it pisses the coach off and you, and you have a bag skate or whatever it may be. That stuff is so important for the tightness of the group. And that's how you win. Yeah, you have to have a foundation of the X's and O's and have a, a team concept. Sure. But the stuff that, that, uh, uh, the mindset, the mental part of the game and the tightness of a group, uh, tightness of a group is so important. Far outweighs anything else.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with you. You and I've had that conversation before. I think it's really important. Now, I wrote this question down because I, 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 knowing that it's been a while since you won the cup, at what point was there a point? And in, in knowing you like I do, I really want, I really wanted to ask this question. Was there a point during that season, during that push to the cup, that that you thought to yourself, we could win this thing? <laughs> or, were, or were you? you know, or were you just? Or were you just grinding? Because I know you're a grinder, but I was. Yeah. I was just curious. I'm like, I wonder if Torch thought to himself one day watching practice, or after a big game that you came from behind, or something, where you just sat back in your office for a minute and thought, "Man, this week this could really happen."
1: you, you, you know i I never got. I never thought at that. I never think about in the regular season about winning a cup. You're always thinking about getting in. But I'll tell you this, that year when January turned um, and and we're, I mean, Mike, it got to the point where I just needed to get out of the way. And and we were basically opening, we felt we could just open the gate on each shift during these games and let these guys play. They were playing that well and they believed in one one another so much and they had that uh, they had that strut about them, that right type of arrogance about them. Uh, yeah, it was it in was the middle of January. I, I forget what our record was at that point in time, but uh, I remember talking to Rammer and, and just every. I said, let's just get out of the way and uh, let these guys go here. And then when we traded, and Jay Feaster does not get enough credit, does not get enough credit for us winning a cup there. He handled me and Vinny. I remember Vinny and I were fighting all the time. I was fighting with the team <laughs> early on. I was fighting with every player early on those few years as we, as we were beginning to try to get a winner. Jay, Jay traded for Daryl Sador way before the trading deadline. Uh, it, it happened a lot, a lot earlier than the deadline. We hear about all these deadline deals. And Sid got to play with us a lot longer than deadline deal players do before they get to the playoffs. I thought that was a major, major point. Uh, within our lineup that helps solidify our back end. And Jay Feast does not get enough credit for us winning that Stanley Cup. But, uh, uh, yeah, we, we just, we didn't know what we were doing. And, and, <laughs> and the guys were so young and so, uh, they didn't feel the pressure. And, and I weigh that. Do you have a veteran guy understand what pressure is because he's been in it before? Or do you have a young guy that has no clue what's going on? Uh, and, and just let him play? I wonder what's better. And uh, yeah, so that that month of January was when I said, you know what, we got a pretty good team here, and uh, <laughs> so let's let them go. And uh, yeah, it, it it's so much fun to talk to them now in, in a whole different type of relationship uh, about some of the stories that we had, not just in that Stanley Cup year, but just the process we went through as a group for a number of years prior.
0: Yeah, I think it's always fun to look back on uh, look back on those great moments. So. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of regress because I jumped into the the lightning cup thing because of Andrew Chuck because of Dave and and I, but so I, and I don't want to skip over this because to me this is a big deal and I I just I wonder where it it ranks for you um, and again I, I kind of cheat with these questions because I know you um, so w- tell me what it meant to you and what it was like to coach Team USA.
1: Yeah, that that's. Uh, uh I get goosebumps right now that, that that's a especially now it, it, uh, you know with with my family and i don't I, I, if I can be a little selfish and talk about my family. my son has been a uh, special operations ranger for now. he has been deployed ten times. Uh, he's been at it now, I think nine years. Um, I've gotten to learn more and more about the military I've got to meet the men and women. Uh we had the cup for two years. Remember we had the lockout after we won the cup, so we were yep. able to take that to McDill. We were taking it all over the place to these these heroes in our world. Uh I, I think we have two sets of heroes now, the military, the men and women that served. And now I think in today's world, all the the, the nurses, the doctors, the frontline people that are fighting this virus, I think we've got some I, amazing people. Uh so, you know, so in dealing with that and just the honor of, of the flag, uh, I have been so, fort- so fortunate to be involved in these international tournaments representing your country. It, it's not it's not league standings. It's it's not stats. It's it's about your country. And uh, are you kidding me to be part of that Olympics World Championships? Uh, uh, with the American flag, uh, I, I, it's nothing but an honor uh, to be involved in those situations.
0: Yeah, I, uh, I, I can't imagine. I got, I get goosebumps thinking about those of my friends that get to do it. I, I remember, you know, I've got a pretty good relationship with Smith and uh, former goalie of the Tampa Lightning and all that. When I got to watch, even though it was obviously he's Canadian, so it was Team Canada, but when I got to watch him win a gold medal, I was just, I was so ecstatic for him just because I knew in knowing him what it meant to him. So it's its an interesting piece. Anytime I, I see that, you know, somebody gets to represent their country, to me, that would be, you know, be just ridiculous I don't know if they'll if they'll ever have Damn. a uh, team USA saltwater fishing team or not but I would definitely uh, yeah. I would definitely try out I probably wouldn't I probably wouldn't make it but I'd try out coach <laughs> I would definitely yeah. try out
1: you, you, all right you know so you know, one, you know what the, <laughs> the, the, the greatest thing about it Mike is you know they're watching overseas whether it be in Iraq Afghanistan no matter where our troops are at they are watching they are watching those teams play and we are part of, of, uh, their excitement or their release to get away from what they're doing and, and the shadow that they cast over us. I mean, the real life stuff that they're doing, they, they consider some of the USA players are, or, are, or, or really Canada. Or whatever, of, 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 they hold them on a, on a pedestal and where my gosh, what they're doing over there to give us the opportunity, uh, that's what's really cool about it, because you know they're watching, and so yeah, yeah it, it, it's it's it, it's such a scary honor. It's it's it, 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 we're so blessed to have the opportunity.
0: Yeah, in a in a world, and I say this during my radio shows all the time. You know, I make it a point to thank our men and women service members. You know, just about every show, um, and I try to remind people that the, the, the those that are over there that are serving our country right now. In these crazy times, before the virus, before all this, that are just in Afghanistan, in Iraq, in these crazy places, so that we don't have to visit another 9-11 here in our country. They're not, they weren't drafted. They're, they're These are volunteers. They're volunteering to go serve our country. To me, yeah. that puts them even on a higher, it's not like, hey, your number's up, you need to come. These guys are like, no, no, I'm in line. I'm ready to go. I want to go to the yeah. desert. I'm willing to stand up for our flag. To me, the, you know, those – the men and women service members, you know, your son included, just, you know, God bless them. I, and, you know, I'm I'm a veteran. I spent, I'm, I spent seven years in the military, but when I was in, we didn't have any of this going I don't even take it – I don't even take my team, my time in the service all that serious because – I just played a lot of hoops. I mean, I played on the base team overseas and got to play a bunch of basketball at McDill. You know what I mean? I mean, well, yeah. you know, we fixed some jets and we did some, you know, some flew some planes, but we weren't getting shot at. We didn't, you know, nobody even knew what an IED was. You know, these kids yeah. and, and yeah. guys and gals today, they go overseas. They're dealing with, you know, I mean, and and I watch that stuff on TV. Was, that, that desert over there is a hellhole. So I just, those, those are our... You know, those are true heroes, right there, for sure.
1: And, and so is, I have uh, one.
0: Go ahead. Go ahead,
1: Mike. No, I'm sorry. You go ahead.
0: <laughs> one. I have one more. One more hockey question, and then I want to talk a little bit about fishing because I love to fish. So, and this might be the toughest question for you, but I think it'll be very interesting. And 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 so I'm going to ask it. You've been coaching a long time, Courts. Obviously. How how have you grown as a coach? What has John Tortorella learned from, you know, the the slap shot league to now the head coach of the Columbus Blue Jackets? What 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 stands out to you that that has changed about John Tortorella, the coach?
1: That that's 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 easy for me because I was uh, early on in my career I was an absolute idiot when it came to dotting every eye crosses every T hounding the players uh, on every mistake they made on the ice. Um, I I was, I think I, I made some major mistakes and where I think I paralyzed players through overcoaching them. Uh, I have, I have and and Mike Sullivan and I, Mike Sullivan coach of the Pittsburgh Penguins and him and I coached for a number of years together. He has two Stanley cups in his back pocket. We talk about this all the time, and it's the evolution of a coach in where I am almost totally a 360 right now as far as realizing that it is a game of mistakes. You can't correct every mistake. You can't drive a player crazy talking about every mistake. You have to get out of their way. You have to allow them to make the mistakes so they can become better players the next time they have the chance to make that play. So I have certainly, uh, and I say it all the time, I do a lot of speaking engagements, and I think coaches over-coach. I have really tried to back off and allow my players more room. Uh, within. With, uh, now, practices, listen, Mike, you, you know me. Uh, we're going to be the best conditioned team. We are not going to cut any corners in how we prepare. I'm going to push athletes to be the best they can be. They're they going to be tested mentally. They're going to be tested Physically. But you also have to allow them to play, I guess, is the best way to put it. Where early in my career, I think I got in people's way because I wanted them to play my way. And I wouldn't allow them to express themselves as a player. And uh, that, that is certainly something that I work on every day. And it's something I talk about every every day. I have an opportunity with young coaches is don't overcoach. These are great athletes. You have to allow them to be instinctive. And get about
0: your business that way. I, I hope that answers the question. Yeah, it really does. And it's funny that you answered it like that because it I think to myself all the time in, in the last four or five years, being able to do some coaching with my daughter, it was interesting. To, I've always been an assistant because I have a very busy schedule, so I couldn't be a head coach, that they had a certain way that they were going to play. And I always thought to myself, okay, well, I think that's great to have a plan of how you want to play the game. If you don't have the players to play that style and you try to force those players to play the way you want the game to be played, you're going to fail because your kids or your players can't do that. They're not either physically up to that challenge or, you know, they're not athletic enough to do exactly what you envision you want them to do. So I think you have to somehow, you have to, every coach has a philosophy and I get that. I have my own philosophies, but do you know, you have to be willing to look at at a player and say that player can't do that very well, but that player does this really well. So maybe... Mm-hmm. this and make sure that we do what that player does well versus what we want that player to do well that he or she can't do.
1: Yeah. And and if you try to push it upon them, you, you, it is a failure. You're not going to be coaching much longer. I'll tell you right now, mm. you, you, you'll lose your job or, or whichever situation you're in. And it's the player's game. We forget that. I, I think coaches, the egos get in the way and you like to pound your chest a little bit, and it's my way. It's the player's game. The, the biggest point the coach has to understand is see what you have as a group and play a style that best suits them to be successful. And uh, sometimes you have to eat it. Uh, sometimes you like some of the things going on, but you have to eat it because it gives you the best opportunity to be successful.
0: I think that was answered awesome. Awesome. So let's talk a little fishing. Um, obviously that's how you and I met. And I remember, <clears throat> I remember distinctly uh, several times you and I on the boat together. Um, a couple of those times and it was just you and I, and I remember thinking to myself and now this is when you were coaching the lightning and, you know, obviously a lot of stress going on and things going on. And I remember, you seeming extremely relaxed when you got on the water. When when you had time to call me and say, "Hey, <laughs> pick me up. I want to do some fishing." I just remember you being really peaceful and relaxed. When when did when did fishing become a part of that for you? Is it something you did as a kid, or is it something that came to you late in life?
1: No, it, 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 it quite honestly, it started with you and and, and Nigel. N- Nigel's the one that was kind of the. The conduit between you and I, I believe, and uh, you, you, all three of us have done quite a bit of fishing together. And uh, I'm, I w- and I'm, I wasn't, and I am still not a good fisherman. But I just enjoyed, I just enjoyed the company. I mean, how many? Uh, as you and I got to know one another, and we, and we started feeling more and more comfortable. Half the fun we had out there was just sitting in the boat. And, uh, and just BS Yeah. And, uh, yeah. you know, if, if you catch a fish, if if you hear the line sing a little bit, that's exciting. But half the fun is, is, is you going from one spot to the other, buzzing across the bay and just enjoying the beauty. And, uh, uh you know, being in an area and then a whole bunch of dolphins come over. You know, we're not going to be able to fish that anymore when the dolphins are there, but just <laughs> to see the dolphins the sharks running around the boat, uh, all that stuff that you brought to us as far as uh, when we we're out there, that's that's the greatest thing for me is, is just being out there. And, uh, uh, had a few laughs. I've hooked you in the back of the head a couple of times and I've tried to cast and, uh, you remember correctly, but, uh, uh, haven't done it in a little bit. Hey, Mike, you and I just haven't been able to do it. I really miss that.
0: Yeah, it's uh, we we've always had a good time on the boat, and I know, <clears throat> I know that you and Nigel spent a bunch of time fishing even before I, I came on the scene there. I know you guys kayak fish some, you wade fish some. We fished from yeah. my boat some. Is there a certain type? Is there a certain type of fishing that you enjoy more than one of the other types? I mean, if you had a, if you had to pick. You know, would it be going Wade fishing and just walking in the water? Or would it be kayaking so you get a little workout in, or what's your type?
1: Well, I, 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 I really because I catch fish with you. Uh, I mean, we have <laughs> my favorite my, my favorite fish is the snook, and uh, we have caught some. I still have that video of uh, I think it was a couple of summers ago uh, when my, myself, you, and yeah. I were out there and we got onto them. Uh, I forget what little inlet they were in, but. Um I really I enjoy it all. and Nigel and I have done some kayak fishing. We get away from the motors and the noise and just do uh just get out there when no one else is out there. I really enjoy that, just the, the piece of it. And then getting out of your kayak and just doing some wade fishing. Uh you know we we've caught on to some schools of redfish and snook uh just standing in the water and uh uh you <laughs> know I'm not sure how Nigel is presented, but it's catch and release. We don't keep them. It's catch and release. I remember I chased <laughs> down Nigel one day when he was going to keep him. caught a nice flounder. And there was no chance he was keeping that thing. And, uh, uh, yeah, so it's catch and release and uh, try to catch him another day.
0: You know what's so funny? That, it's so funny that you mentioned that <laughs> because – we had this great podcast with with Nigel Kerwin. He's the video coach for the Tampa Bay Lightning. To still this day it was the video coach there with Coach Tortorella, and so I couldn't I couldn't do the podcast. Really, Um, you know, the three of us have some history together, being on the water and all that. So, you know, your name came up, and and we, and we you know he we went over you know your you guys, his friendship and how close you are and how much he's learned and, you know, all those great things. And then <laughs> he brought up the story of of you two wade fishing on that flat and how bad he wanted to take that flounder home. No and way. Just I, was
1: across, <laughs> I was storming <laughs> across the water, Mike, as fast as I could through uh, waist, uh, waist-deep water, and he was not going to keep that. And it was a big flounder. <laughs> and I said there's not a chance you I, I won't even say how I said it he was not keeping that fish he was going back
0: in it's <laughs> <laughs> so funny that you mentioned that because that, that story was so funny when he told it uh, on the podcast it was it just exactly like that too he said Torch was not having it and he said, he, he said I thought he was kidding and then he just kept he kept walking towards me, <laughs> and then I yeah. decided he's not going to let me keep this flounder, so that I is I was I was plowing <laughs> through
1: the water, I was plowing through the water as quick as I could.
0: <laughs> that is absolutely hysterical. Well, I had one other question, and and that was to ask you about your favorite fish, but uh, you kind of already gave that away. You loved a snook fish, huh?
1: You you have turned me on to that. You you have remember when I first started, and I. Remember, I yank the teeth out of fish. When I, Whenever I feel it, you know, and you've taught me, I think I've become better because of you. Where all you taught me is just real, 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 real. How many times have you said that to me? But I usually try to yank it, and uh, you use, uh, if I can try to show a little bit of my uh, knowledge as far as what you, those circle hooks you use, you don't have to, you don't have to yep. yank onto it, just real. And I think I've gotten better at it, Mike, but there are certain times oh, when you get, sure. you get so excited when you get hit, especially by the snook, that you're just, I get so amped up that I yank the teeth out of the fish. And, uh, um, but I'm, I'm getting better. And, uh, yeah, just talking about it with you now, uh, God, I, I we still have a home there out there and, uh, out there in St. Pete. We have got to get together somewhere along the way and get back out there.
0: Oh, we will. I think we will. It's, uh, you know, with all you have going on with, with your family and, uh, the great job you're doing there with the blue jackets, um, competing every year. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't fear that as that at all. I think we'll be, we'll be back on the water at some time, laughing and joking and, and, and having a big old time. I, uh, I really, really, appreciate you spending some time with me today on the podcast I know you're normally really busy I, I was hoping maybe I'd I'd catch you with a little downtime here and uh, it means a great deal to me give some 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 love to your family Christine your wife and Brittany and Nick and uh, and stay safe and uh, and and we'll we'll get together soon my friend
1: Mike it's it just uh, it, I'm so glad we reconnect here and talked and and likewise to you and your family and the listeners I hope everybody adheres to it as far as staying home and everybody be safe and be healthy.
0: Well, I hope you guys enjoyed this week's podcast as much as I enjoyed bringing it to you. You know, Coach John Tortorella and I go back uh, many many years. We met right after he won the cup in 2004. Um, and, and we became very, very good friends. Just a really, really neat guy. Um, so many long conversations about coaching and hockey and players and life uh, on the boat. Just really, really spectacular. So it's, uh, it's great to see him still having success in the coaching ranks. And I look forward to Getting on the water with him again soon. And I really appreciate all you guys checking it out. The Real Animals Podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, and RI Tampa Bay.com. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review. If there is uh, anybody out there you'd like to hear me do a podcast with, uh, you can throw your ideas out to my social media platforms. You can check us out on Facebook at Facebook slash Real Animals and on Instagram at Real Animals TV. Remember, Real Animals Podcasts are presented by Contender Boats.
1: Radio Influence strives to bring you excellence in podcasting. We work with personalities like TV chef Brian Duffy,